This episode is certified grim for disturbing subject matter and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a grim reading. There was once a little girl who was obstinate and inquisitive, and when her parents told her to do anything, she did not obey them. So how could she fare well? How could she fare well? That is a good question. How is it possible? Because she is obstinate and inquisitive. Yeah. If you don't obey your parents, how are you going to fare well? Well, one day she said to her parents, I have heard so much of Frau Trude. I will go to her some day. People say that everything about her does look so strange and that there are such odd things in her house that I've become quite curious. Her parents absolutely forbade her and said, Frau Trude is a bad woman who does wicked things, and if you go to her, you are no longer our child. Whoa, you're no longer our child? Do not go to Frau Trude, okay? Whoa. But the maiden did not let herself be stopped by her parents' prohibition, and still went to Frau Trude. And when she got to her, Frau Trude said, Why are you so pale? <laughs> <laughs> ah, she replied, and her whole body trembled. I have been so terrified at what I've seen. What have you seen? I'm really sorry about this, everyone. I saw a black man on your steps. That was a collier. So like uh, someone who deals with like... Coal? Coal, exactly. Yeah. Then I saw a green man. That was a hunter. After that, I saw a blood red man. That was a butcher. Wait. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) <laughs> what? Stick with it. Why is a hunter green? <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, oh, that was a hunter? <laughs> a butcher, <laughs> but just man covered in blood. Uh, Frau Trude, I, I was terrified. I, I looked through the window and saw not you, but, uh, as I verily believe, the devil himself with a head of fire. Oh, no. Oh, said she. Then you have seen the witch in her proper costume. I have been waiting for you and wanting you a long time already. You shall give me some light. Then she changed the girl into a block of wood and threw it into the fire. Whoa! And when it was in full blaze, she sat down close to it and warmed herself by it and said, Ah, that shines bright for once. The end. not the end it is the end no it's the end it's the end it's the end of grim reading we're done after that (laughs) we're done
Oh, what on earth? What, what's going... What's... What? You... I could tell. You were just, like, settling in. Yeah, no, I was settling in for the long yeah, haul. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be... I'm loving this character, Frau Trude. Oh, oh, that can't be the case. She's, she's, she's dead. She's... Oh, the end. It's the end! It's the end. She murdered a child. And yeah. that's the story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Night kids. <laughs> but yeah. it's definitely grim. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not It's not a happily ever after, is it? No. A child goes to a witch's house, gets turned into a block of wood and thrown on the fire. Yeah. That's an unhappy ending right there. <laughs> it certainly is. I, I mean... What is there to unpack there? Quite a lot, we're gonna, as you're going to oh, find okay. out throughout this <laughs> episode. Okay. I think, yeah, that unhappy ending. I mean, the child was literally killed. Uh, we yeah. do not normally see that. Have we ever had it? Infanticide? We've had infanticide, sure. Have we, though? Yeah, definitely. But we haven't had it be the end. Yeah. You know, it's normally a there's a redemptive arc that yeah. goes on or, you know, the hero wins normally. Right. So the child, um, very, very obstinate, disobedient oh, child. Inquisitive Honestly. as well. Yeah. yeah. So I had these stories about this mysterious Frau Trude. Yeah. And parents say, if you go and see Frau Trude, you're no longer our child. Yeah. She's like, okay. So she goes off. She is no longer their child. Not sure how if that it doesn't, Really it's like just that, a bit, it's it? just a threat. Yeah. It's like do not disobey us or we'll disown you. That's how much we don't want you to but go did see Frau disown her? Well, it's irrelevant cuz she's irrelevant <laughs> she, cuz she's she's a dead. block of wood. <laughs> she got burned up on the fire <laughs> keeping Frau Trude toasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um and okay, so yeah, so they forbade her to go. She went. She went anyway. And she was just so curious, but then she saw some weird things. Well, she saw three blokes. Yes. One that was black. Yes. Been down the cult ones. One that was green. He's mm-hmm. a hunter. My follow-up question would be: Why is he green? What? Why does that make him green? Is he wearing a full um ghillie Ooh. suit? That thing that soldiers wear. It's <laughs> camouflage. <laughs> like a walking like a- bush. <laughs> um, well, you suddenly made me think of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is an old Arthurian legend, which I didn't research for tonight. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> I don't even know the relevance of that. I don't know what you're talking I about. I know, nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> but there's only so many rabbit holes one can fall yeah, down. Yeah, true. Um, yes, and then there was a the butcher a who was red. Man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he's, he's just... <laughs> what kind of butcher is it that just gets himself covered in blood? <laughs> Like morning, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> got some choice. <laughs> oh, it's the picture. <laughs> got some choice cuts, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> Come back and just run us down the street. <laughs> Comes home from work. Hello, dear. What's for supper? <laughs> covered in covered in blood, head to toe. <laughs> this is so weird. And uh, once she's had those explanations, she's like, "What?" She's just like, "Oh, fair enough." And then she just, apropos nothing, gets turned into a block of wood. No, and no, no, you missed the final bit. Oh, what happens? So she says, well, that was all very scary. But then also, Frau Trude, I looked through the window. Right. And as I verily believe, I saw the devil himself with a head of fire. So it's, is it, does he have shoulders and then just flames coming out? <laughs> <laughs> is that what's happening there? <laughs> 
<laughs> I believe so. <laughs> wow. And then Frau Trude's like, well, you saw the witch in her proper costume. So that's her. That's her. That's in her Frau proper costume. Trude in a proper costume. As the devil with a with flame head. <laughs> yes. Um, and then... Wait, if she... What, why has she got a fire then? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it, Adam. Just okay. go with it. She does. Why do you need a fire, Frau Trude? <laughs> if you are fire, if you're made of fire. Uh, so that's quite an unusual tale right there. Yeah. Wow. So I would say the only other similar thing we've seen to that, the most similar thing we've had before, is The Godfather, uh, which was episode 60. It was a while back now. Um, so if you remember in The Godfather, uh, essentially the godson goes to his godfather's creepy house, sees lots of bizarre stuff, including like a broom and a shovel fighting, some talking skulls. And then he sees his godfather, he peeps through the keyhole at his godfather and he sees his godfather has big, long, long horns. Oh, yeah. And yes. then the godfather's like, no, no, that's not what you saw. They were just cabbages or whatever. And then the godson manages to escape in that story. He doesn't right. get chucked on the fire. So actually it's quite similar there. Like going to the creepy house, and, and saying, I, I've seen all these things. And then the, the villain is like, right. no, no, you didn't see that. That was something else. So, yeah. and, it, and like the idea of them being in a different form? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Devil with a firehead or long, long horns. Long horn godfather. Yeah. So we have seen something like that before. True. Um, Hansel and Gretel as well. Can I mention them? Y you may. Thanks. Please do. Nice to see those guys. <laughs> oh, we love those guys. Yeah, I mean, going uh, to the creepy house. Yeah, witch in a house, mm -hmm. chucking a kid in the fire, or trying yeah. to at least. Exactly. Yeah. But again, different ending there. Very different ending. <laughs> yeah, and well, the only other thing I thought you might be curious about, Adam, is the uh, Frau Trude, the name, unusual name. Mm -hmm. um, I discovered that it probably relates to the Drude or Trut, which is a malevolent spirit creature from Germanic folklore. It's a thing that visits in the night and sits on you and causes nightmares. It does what? Sorry? Visits in the night, sits on you and causes nightmares. It sits on you, okay. So Drud. Drud. Um, and that might be where the name Trude comes from. Frau right. Trude. Yeah, Mrs. Trude. And she's some kind of incarnation of this possibly yeah yeah possibly yeah interesting so that is nothing to do with druids no okay <laughs> not that i'm aware of <laughs> yeah, i mean it's what is that's such a short story i know it is isn't it so short well well allow me to address that okay so uh this story first appeared in the third edition of the brothers Grimm's fairy tales Ooh. Position 43. Latecomer. It doesn't have an oral source. Uh, instead, the Brothers Grimm adapted it themselves from a poem published in Women's Paperbacks of the Year, 1823. Women's Paperbacks of the Year? It's basically like an anthology, I think, of stories and poems and things. Okay. And this poem was in it, and the Brothers Grimm took it and adapted it. So mm. the poem was written by someone called uh, Maya or Maya Teddy, but that is believed to be a pen name. So the original author of Frau Trude remains a mystery. What? However, I've got an idea what the mystery author might have been thinking, Adam. Ooh. This fairy tale bears a marked resemblance to another fairy tale. A big story. 
perhaps the top contender for the most famous Russian fairy tale, oh. a story called Vasilisa the Beautiful. Whoa. And it's a story featuring Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga! Baba Yaga! <laughs> Cue the jingle. She rides around in the magical water. <laughs> it's Baba Yaga! You once said that. I think it was on our Patreon podcast and it was beautiful. She, what even other lyrics? She rides around in a what? Magical mortar. <laughs> well, exactly. Oh, of course. So, Baba Yaga, for anyone who's not in the loop, she's a scary, powerful, magical old woman with bony legs who lives in a hut on chicken legs and rides around in a magical pestle and mortar. Yeah. <laughs> so, we love Baba Yaga. We love Baba Yaga. We love Baba Yaga. <laughs> we can't get enough of Baba Yaga Friend here. of the podcast. So, in Vasilisa the Beautiful, the girl, the heroine in the story, mm-hmm. is forced to go to Baba Yaga's hut by her evil step-family. And while she's there, periodically a strange thing occurs. At daybreak, a white horseman gallops past. Then a red horseman gallops past, and the sun begins to rise. And eventually a black horseman gallops past, and it's nighttime. So, a little less racist sounding, that one. Yeah. But it is some other weird thing that doesn't make sense either. But it has that device in this Vasilisa the Beautiful story. Uh, So I thought maybe that would clear that part of our story up a little bit. Right. Like there's some sort of symbolic meaning to that. To three men of different colours. Mm-hmm. Wait, have I missed... Are you suggesting this has a shared... That like the the, the round truth comes from the story or... Well, yes, I am because it's so similar. It's re- essentially... Uh, Vasilis the Beautiful is like a much bigger better version okay. of Frau Truth. So I'm suspicious that Mayor Teddy, who published the poem, he was sort of uh, bastardizing Vasilis the Beautiful. That's my idea. That's okay. my theory. It might just be a wider folktale as well. And, and now, obviously, Adam, you're probably thinking, well, great, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to hear this important Baba Yaga story. I am. But more... I'm afraid we're not going to be hearing it tonight, Adam. Can I ask Why? can you can you might not like the answer well first of all it's very very long it's a very long fairy tale okay and it's also one that i've been saving for its very own special episode (gasps) so we do special episodes for our patrons uh we've only done one so far the (laughs) piper but we've got a kind of pipeline of special episodes coming and i've even mentioned this one before um that it's one i was thinking of doing so we have to hold off. We do, but um, there's another reason that we can't hear it today as well. I was sort of looking into Frau Trude and I uh, kind of took the opportunity to fall deeply into the witch rabbit hole. Oh no, Matt. Get back. <laughs> oh, no. Come back. No. So it's too late, Adam. I'm deep. I'm deep in the witch <laughs> rabbit hole. So instead of Vasilis the Beautiful, we're going to have a brief potted history of witches. Oh, Okay, I'm liking the sound intrigued? of Intrigued? Yeah, I'm very intrigued. I certainly hope so. Now, we've done elves and fairies before. Yeah. We've had the personification of death. Now it's time for a brief history of witches, Adam. It's a biggie. It's a biggie in the fairy tale world. It is, right? They feature a lot in Grimm's Tales. Yep. But what exactly is a witch? 
good question. Thanks for asking. I'm going to throw that back to you <laughs> with the answers. Well, thank you, Adam. First, I think uh, there's a distinction to be made between witches in fiction and witches in the real world, imagined or otherwise. Witches in the real world? As in... What are you saying? The belief in witches in the real world. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Adam is frightened, <laughs> everybody. Really Does that make sense? Uh, yes. No. Does it, though? Are they different? You can say no. How is a fictional witch different to a... Well, you have the kind of... The idea of the witches that we get in stories with the pointy hat, the, right. the broomstick, you know, the cauldron and then you have and then you've got witches a local woman history. who you'd dunk in the river to see if she's oh no she's dead you've she's got to stop doing that yeah <laughs> you really do. we have had complaints from your neighbors it's <laughs> the only way of knowing uh yeah so that makes sense right yes now the two obviously very much intertwined of course mm -hmm. but at some point we kind of formed the archetypal witch of fiction at least in the Anglo-Saxon world as well. Yeah. Which is distinct from belief in witches in the real world. Yeah. This is a really good start. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start right at the beginning. So, uh, I'm sure it's going to come as no surprise that it's all very complex and murky. Uh, even the word witch has different shades of meaning in different languages and cultures. Um, even just within Western Europe, the derivation of the word is different. So, in English, you've got the word witch... In French, it's sorcière. In German, it's hexe. Spanish, brouille. And Italian, strega. So they're all completely different from each other. Yeah. So even defining the word, what it is, varies from place to place, culture to culture. But fundamentally, witchcraft refers to the act of casting spells using magic for nefarious ends. With the intent to harm. Oh, with to nefarious ends. Mm. Ah, interesting. And practitioners of this dark magic are called witches. Are they all women? Oh, that's a very insightful mm. and difficult question to answer. <laughs> I think, essentially, no. Ah, interesting. And again, it's uh, kind of what I was trying to say there is like, it's very different within each culture. But, it, you know, in English, in the Anglo-Saxon world... The word witch is now only applied to women, but historically uh, it, was, it wasn't gender specific. Men right. were witches, women were witches. Now you'd probably say a, uh, uh, I don't know, a warlock, a wizard or something. Wizard or a witch is the Harry Potter thing. But yeah, exactly. Probably not. But hi historically that wasn't the case. Right. And this idea of the witch is certainly not a Christian invention, as some believe. It goes way back. Now, I mentioned in our last episode, The Golden Bird, Circe. She's described as a witch in Homer's The Odyssey. Right. Which was written in 800 BC. Uh, so Circe has a magic stick and she brews potions and she's not to be messed with, essentially. And that dates back, yeah, like over two and a half thousand years ago. Wow. Uh, now, that's an ancient story, but we've got tons of evidence that witchcraft was a part of everyday life in ancient Roman Greece. And in general, like, illicit magic features often in Roman law statutes. So there are laws against using illicit right. magic. Um, fasting forward somewhat, in 789 AD, legendary Holy Roman Emperor Charlemagne ordained that witches should be executed. Oof. And in the 10th century AD, King Athelstan 
one of the early Anglo-Saxon kings of England, he declared that there would be punishment for anyone casting spells which led to death. Uh-oh. So those are just like a few examples of like very old belief in wicked magic. Um, yeah. So witchcraft was very much on the agenda way back when. And we've kind of got to keep in mind that like up until relatively recently, magic and the supernatural was an everyday reality for people. Well, it wasn't a reality. <laughs> well, it kind of was. For them, it was. For them, it yeah, very much existed. Yeah. But, you know, that's just nefarious magic, which is essentially what um, witches were thought to be. They're people using magic to harm. But there's also the belief that magic that does good as well. You know, you might uh, cast a spell, I don't know, make a potion to encourage uh, the sun to come out for a good harvest or whatever. Right. Does that what, make sense? But what are they called? Uh, good, oh man, the I good don't know. version of I witches. Think, <laughs> I Witch think doctors. That's kind of what I was trying to say. Like it's so complicated yeah. and murky, and there are different words. Even today, there are different words in sure. neighbouring countries that have completely different derivations. So, like to go back in time, you can't make a blanket statement and say sure. this is what How? it was. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Though I found the words interesting because you can see. Like different etymology, like different derivations from that word. Mm. Was what the German was something to do with hexes? Hexe, yeah. It's obviously hex, hex like a, exactly. a curse. Uh, the French one was like sorcier, so sorcerer, yeah, sorcery, sorcerer, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And that's the thing; like, it is very different in every culture. That's why this is quite a hard path to walk <laughs> down. <laughs> well, rabbit hole to tumble down. Indeed. Yeah, and that's why I'm just sticking with a very generic definition of a witch. Bad magic. Bad magic. Yeah, okay. Indeed. For my um, civilian job, like outside of Grim Castle, mm. last year I went to a cottage in Sussex that dates back to the 12th century. It's a beautiful old cottage. And the guy showed me uh, on the fireplace there were witch marks. They are essentially little notches and sort of marks that people etched into, into the wood to ward off witches mm. and evil spells. And I actually saw them. It was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that mad? Well, it's mad, yeah. I, and you get that in old houses, in old buildings, yeah. Which a marks? physical mark someone's put in. Yeah, absolutely. Madness. And that actually brings us uh, quite nicely onto the European witch persecution mania, which is the most famous episode in witch history, probably. This is the strange phenomenon that between 1450 and 1750, thereabouts, in Europe, uh, and a little bit in the sort of European colonies in the Americas, between 40 and 60,000 people were executed Whoa. for being witches. That's a lot. You know about this time, right? Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Dunking, setting people on fire. Mm. The Salem Witch Trials, is that part of this? Mainly? Salem Witch Trials, yeah, it is. Very small part of this. Yeah. Um, I think there was about less than 20 people were killed in Salem. Why have they got so popular then i don't know i wonder if it's because of is it the crucifix that play 
Uh, Ooh, massively know. famous play. That oh yeah, that really big famous one. <laughs> you know, yeah. wait, was it just because I did drama at school? <laughs> I don't know Maybe. what you're talking about. <laughs> I said the crucifix, the crucible. Oh, Arthur Miller. Yeah, I said the crucifix. Yeah, oh, okay. my. I've never heard of that. I've got like witch hunting on my brain. <laughs> the crucible. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's why Salem's so famous. Maybe yeah. But yeah, it was it was quite a small part was in the Americas, really. As I said, Salem was about 20 people. Like, But, yeah, it was between 40 and 60,000 people were killed. What? Yeah. It's hard to define when it started exactly. Um, but a key development, I believe, is that in 1374, Pope Gregory XI proclaimed that all magic was done with the aid of demons, and therefore magical practitioners were committing heresy. Who said this? Pope Gregory XI. Oh, okay. And that is key. The idea of sorcery being connected to the devil. Yeah, I guess at some point it essentially became blasphemous to Christians, didn't it? Yeah. And not only that, yeah. So the idea of doing magic became synonymous with blasphemy, but it eventually becomes very closely associated with the devil himself. Mm -hmm. Not only are you casting spells, you're doing the devil's work. Yeah. And there's even the idea that the devil was thought to be working through the person or that the person had made a pact with the devil. And hence in our story, the girl through the window saw the devil with the head of fire. Frau Trude. Exactly. Yeah. By the end of the 16th century, the idea of the witch that we're kind of picturing at that time Mm -hmm. was fully formed and persecutions reached their zenith. So people believed that witches would meet up in witch sabbaths and they'd like get it on with each other and the devil and they'd like do some cannibalism, perform obscene acts, they'd shapeshift, they'd cast spells to like ruin your crops or harm people. And there's just this sort of general fear and hysteria that like evil and debauchery is happening around us. Den of iniquity, yeah. And it needs to be rooted out. Mm. Some landmark books really fermented the belief in witches along the way. In particular, a book called Malleus Maleficarum, by a German monk called Heinrich Kramer, which was published in 1486. It was a manual for hunting witches, and it called for their persecution. It was a manual? It's a witch-hunting manual, yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I read that, essentially, demonology, like the study of this, of uh, of evil and the devil Mm. and demons, was the, like, leading science of the day. The top brains were writing about this. What sort of time is this did you say well he wrote that book in 1486 but okay. it kind of reached its zenith around like the mid to late 1500s and early 1600s so like what's that like tudor times yeah well exactly the first witchcraft act in england was passed in 1542 under henry the reign mm. uh which made witchcraft a crime similar laws and statutes then began appearing in other european countries thereafter and in, in Britain, persecutions intensified under Elizabeth I and then her successor, uh, James I of England and the sixth of Scotland. Yeah. And famously, King James wrote his own treaty called Demonology, and he wrote it to argue for the existence of witches against skeptics. We've kind of we've talked about this before when we did the history of elves, because he wrote in that as well about his thoughts on uh, fairies and elves and werewolves. He recommended the swimming method to test witches. So that's where you throw them in the water to see if they float. 
if they sink, they're innocent, and if they float, they're guilty. Because when they made their pact with the devil, they renounced their baptism. So the water, the, the theory goes that the water would reject them. Right. And that's how you can tell that they're a witch. And he came up with this, did he? I don't think he came up with it, but he's a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, there is a central flaw with that system. Are you going to say, well, there is a sort of principle. <laughs> There's something to it. There's something there. There is a very central flaw to that. I mean, do I need to point out the obvious? <laughs> it's a test where if you pass, you die. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> well, I, apparently, I think that they would tie a rope around your waist, but it did still lead to accidental death. What? So you die, sure. but you can be retrieved? Well, if you sink, you just get dragged out, and they're like, okay. well done, you're not a witch. And you're like, <laughs> coughing up water. Please leave me alone. Yeah. So that's, that's the king of England it's and Scotland. King. Yeah. So, to my mind, like, the, going from the Tudors into the Stuarts mm. eras, um, there was a lot of kind of flip-flopping in the UK between uh, Protestant and Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing this sort of relationship with witches was common to both. Like, it didn't matter. It yeah. wasn't a Catholic thing versus a Protestant thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both, they both hated witches. I, absolutely. I think it's a bit of a myth that... Uh, that it is associated with the Catholic Church, like the Spanish Inquisition, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but actually, no, it's which persecutions happened in Catholic and Protestant countries. I think more in Protestant countries, but it wasn't, uh, certainly wasn't uh, only a Protestant thing. Yeah. But, you know, as you say, the sort of switching between Protestant and uh, Catholic, this was really the height of uh, the Reformation. So there's a lot of religious fervor in all of Europe. And that might be one of the underlying reasons why this was happening. There's a lot of debate as to why this sort of witch persecution mania happened. But that could be kind of part of the mixture of ingredients that led to this, this sort of intense religious fervor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Speaking of which, I got a a quote here from Demonology. King James's uh, treaty on witches. Oh, let's see what he has to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's so wound up about witches. He's he wrote, livid. He's livid. <laughs> the fearful abounding at this time in this country of these detestable slaves of the devil, the witcherers and enchanters have moved me. Oh. So he's he's so angry about these witches roaming around the country. Yeah, and along similar lines, uh, the Lord Chief Justice <laughs> once said. The land is full of witches. They abound in all places. So there's absolute paranoia and fear. The vast majority of executions were in the Holy Roman Empire, which is kind of like modern-day Germany and some Mm. of the surrounding countries. In Britain, Scotland and Essex were significantly worse than other areas. That's really random. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Can't really get my head around it. (laughs) Throughout Europe, the majority of accused witches were women but there were also many men. I think it kind of averages about 80% women. Right. Uh, And and the accused were more likely to be middle-aged or older women. But still, one in five were men. And this varied across Europe. Uh, In Essex, it was 90% women. Right. But in Finland, for example, it was 50% men, 50% women. Very egalitarian. I like it, guys. (laughs) And in Normandy, weirdly... The ratio was three to one men. A lot of male witches in Normandy. What's that all about? Oh, it's strange, isn't it? I just thought that was really interesting because I yeah. think sometimes you just think this is entirely 
women. That's that were exactly being... how I thought of it. Yeah, you've challenged my views on witches, Matt. And another thing that might uh, might surprise you: the prosecution rate, so basically the execution rate, was actually relatively low out of those accused. So there was a, a, approximately one hundred and ten thousand people were accused, and between forty to sixty thousand were executed. So you were probably more likely to be acquitted than to be prosecuted. Wow. And eventually, the authorities began to require more and more evidence to prove witchcraft. Some legislation was repealed, and then it kind of eventually petered out. And Europe's last person prosecuted for witchcraft uh, was Anna Goldie. Anna was executed in Switzerland in 1782. Oh, phew. I thought you were going to say, like, 1993 or something. 1994. Yeah, and like I say, there was huge debate as to why this happened. There was obviously a, the Reformation going on, but but also we've got like political, social instability. Um, apparently, there was it might be connected to climate change as well. There was a little ice age which occurred, which accounts perhaps for a lot of crop failures. It's also taking place at the dawn of capitalism as well. So you've got kind of like changing social relations as well. Just this really nasty cocktail. Of factors. Mm. Is it tasty though? <laughs> Bet it is. No. <laughs> Which on the beach? Slippery. <laughs> no, I have no idea. got more witchy stuff for me may i got so much witchy stuff for you <laughs> oh, hit me up with some more witchy well stuff. sadly that isn't actually the end of uh witch killings this may come as a surprise witch killings are still going on today in the 21st century where well i'm going to tell you this is really grisly by the way so oh. just a warning okay um uh, so you know i've f- clearly focused on europe in this little mini lecture yeah uh the west but of course, the belief in malevolent magic is worldwide and still alive in many places. In Ghana, for example, there are actual witch camps, which are these settlements where women who are accused of witchcraft uh, can flee to safety. You can actually see these if you uh, Google them. You can see these witch camps that are around today. In 2009, Saudi Arabia set up an anti-witchcraft unit of the police, uh, which is from the sort of Orwellian uh, Committee for the Promotion of Virtue and Prevention of Vice. I mean, this is really just the tip of the iceberg. I read in India, between 2003 and 2008, in Assam and West Bengal, 750 people have been killed for being witches. Wow. It's just done through, like, the court... I don't system. think so. I don't yeah. actually know. I didn't kind of look into all this too much. No. But it does seem to me that every year uh, hundreds of people are killed, including children. I've kind of spared you most of the grisly details. Mm. It gets way worse Thanks. than that. <laughs> but yeah, people are being murdered today for witchcraft. That's depressing. Craziness. It's mad. So that's the uh, the, <laughs> the grisly real world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we've also got the iconic witch image that we all have in our heads. Pointy hat. Exactly. 
Broomstick. Pointy hat. Black cat. Black cat. Cloak. Cauldron. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Tick, 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 and tick. Now, potentially, one of the main ingredients in the creation of the iconic witch is a collection of wintry alpine goddess figures. Perkta, who hails from uh, alpine paganism, she's this embodiment of winter, and she's often depicted as a kind of old hag. We've actually met her before. She's connected to Mother Hull. Right. Which was yeah. episode 55, um, start of our last series. They are these kind of wintry, old, powerful magic ladies, and I've read that they might have had a big impact on the modern idea of the witch. We kind of get that imagery from those sort of alpine, central western European uh, goddess figures. Okay. And one strange associated figure who has survived to this day in Italy is Befana. So you know how we've got like Father Christmas, the Easter Bunny, associated with these like Chris Christian holidays? Yeah. Well, in Italy, on Epiphany Day, which is the 6th of January, you have Bifana, who's this old woman with a pointy hat who rides around on a broom and gives children sweets. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, so we've got these kind of like old pagany goddess figures. Now, in fiction, uh, I mentioned earlier we had the Odyssey with Circe. Yeah. Uh, you've got Morgan Le Fay in Arthurian legend. The Weird Sisters in Macbeth. You know, double, double, toil and trouble. Is that what they're called? Yeah, the Weird Sisters. That's why they're called that in Harry Potter. The band. <laughs> Adam's main cultural reference point. <laughs> Harry Potter. I was going to mention the ones, the witches in Macbeth. Yeah. I didn't know they were called the Weird Sisters. Listen, J.K. Rowling knew what she was talking about. Yeah, the Weird book. Sisters. Yeah. Um, and the Weird Sisters in Macbeth are associated with the fates of ancient Greece and the Norns of Norse mythology. So you can really see the sort of ancient religious pagan connection there as well. And of course, the Grimms are big players in shaping how we think of witches. Massive players. You think witch, you think Hansel and Gretel, you think fairy tales, right? Yeah. So we've had Snow White, the queen, casting her spells in that. We've had Dame Gothel in Rapunzel. Uh, recently, we've had the stepmother in The Six Swans sewing uh, little evil shirts. Yep. And, uh, and lots of other times as well. Uh, perhaps sometimes the stories that we've had don't use the term witch, but for all intents and purposes, it is. Sure. And uh, interestingly, in France, fairy tales by definition included fairies. But in the Grimm's work, fairies are kind of conspicuously absent. And that's because, mm. as we've seen, they were kind of trying to distance themselves from the like French tradition. Sure. But essentially, witches in Grimm's stories have the same function as fairies in French stories. They're essentially these powerful women using magic for their own ends. Sometimes good, sometimes ill. It's a different kind of story, though, when a fairy shoves you in an oven instead of a witch. <laughs> just, uh, just seems, just sounds wrong. <laughs> Well, we haven't had one of those. No, though, that's yeah. true. I think, yeah. I think because we have that idea of a fairy as like with little yeah, delicate exactly. wings and a wand. <laughs> but I think in the, in the French fairy tales, they can be quite terrifying. Maybe we need more French fairy tales. We need more scary fairies. Yeah. All right. Coming up. Scary fairies. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that. 
Oh man, I mean, there's so many more threads to follow in the like formulation of the modern witch. But yeah, I think we'll leave it there. That's as far as I've got. Okay. I mean, really, you could do like a ten series long podcasts on its own about witches. Yeah. You know, rather than me summing it up. But uh, I've I've got I do have some extra stuff that we'll save for our. Um, Grim Fables, our patron-only podcast. Excellent. But for now, yeah, that's your brief history of witches. Brief history of witches. What are you thinking, Adam? Score, score, what are you thinking? Mm. Mm. What am I thinking? Mm. Do you know what? It's almost refreshing to have a story that short. Mm. It's been quite a while. It's been a long time. So, Mm. here's here's the question then. Should it lose out, score-wise, because it's short? Because naturally, a longer story will have more opportunity to pack full of weird and wonderful things and characters. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to say a short story can't be as good as a long story. No, I, th- I think historically, you have reserved your big scores for big stories. Yeah. And what has sort of been the barometer of success for a short, punchy story is how nuts was it? And yeah. how much did it shock you? As opposed to how much of a rich adventure is it? Yeah. However, our last episode, our last story was The Golden Bird, which was a massive adventure. You didn't give it an especially high score. So it's not just necessarily a case of a longer, bigger, uh, more involved story means a better story. No, you're absolutely right. And I think you're right what you just said about... So essentially, it's almost like slightly different criteria you judge a short story on. Yeah. Ability to shock you. Matt, I was shocked. You were. You I were was shocked. shaken to my core. <laughs> you were so, you, I could see you, you were, I would, I'm not going to say you were barely listening, but you were kind of like just literally warming up. Yeah. I feel like you, I kind of said the end and you were just, you were a few steps behind me. Yeah. <laughs> Took you a while to realise the story had finished. Yeah. yeah. I was not expecting that. It's a big shock ending. I think I think I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's that's a big score for a because shorty. It, yeah, <laughs> that's a big score for a shorty. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. It's weird, and I love weird. I love weird stories. I love the fact she's turned into a block of wood and burnt. Not why well, that sounds bad, <laughs> but I I I don't know how to say that without it sounding witch bad. finder general over here. <laughs> Um, but that was a shocking end. Uh, the weird explanation for like different coloured people outside—that was odd. Um, yeah, that was uncomfortable as well. Yeah, well, it was. Yeah. yeah, especially that line about a black. I saw a black man. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like being generous. That was just a kind of very badly aged translation and, and yeah. way of putting that. Yeah, because as as I said, you kind of get a similar scene in Vasilisa the Beautiful. Mm. In a way, I kind of feel like Vasilisa the Beautiful is the proper Frau Trude story yeah. that we, we're not getting. However, the Grimms have presented this here as a complete story on its own. But it, it does kind of leave, a I don't know, it leaves a lot of unanswered, I guess. Oh, well, definitely. Who is Frau Trude? Yeah. Ex- yeah. Did the daughter really die? Yeah, I think she did. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that ends that one. <laughs> I think that the best thing going for this story is the fact that we had that uh, death at the end. We didn't have a happily ever after. Exactly what I think. heroine was literally turned into a bit of wood and chucked on the fire. Which is odd because I think one of the best parts of, say, Hansel and Gretel is how 
they trick the witch and yeah. and escape. Whereas here, the best part of this is kind of the opposite. Yeah. Is not being able to escape because it's so shocking. And it is shocking, yeah. And I think turning her into a piece of wood makes it more palatable. <laughs> Just chucking a child on the <laughs> yeah. fire. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, for the shock ending, uh, for the fact that it opened up this world of um, witches to us and... Also because I kind of, you know, I do kind of know the Vasilis of the beautiful story and it is a good one. And you've gone nice and high. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go 6.5. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So a nice, I would say round, it's not round at all. There's nothing round about it. 13.5 out of 20. 13.5 out of 20. I think that's pretty good going for a tiny little dinky story. I think it should be very proud of itself. Yes. Please. Don't turn us into wood and chuck us on a fire. We've given you a big score there, Frau, <laughs> Mrs. Trude. Yeah, backing away from that strange cottage. <laughs> Before I uh, bid you adieu, Adam, it's time for some more patron shout-outs. Yes, indeed. We would like to uh, extend another big thank you to the following patrons. Courtney Namort. Emily Chan. Claire Mum. Isa. Sky Harmon, George Manns, and Sonny Mignon. Thank you very much, everyone, for your support. Thank you so, so much. Welcome to Grim Castle. Where we'll be seeing you again by the fire for... A little number called The Fox and the Geese. Oh, that's exciting. I don't think we've had an animal-based one for a while. Well, we had the golden bird, which is literally our last story so, before this one. So <laughs> what I'm trying to say is we quite recently had an animal one, yeah. That's exactly what I meant. You know what, Adam? Listen, <laughs> I know you've been like repainting your castle, so I feel like the fumes might have gone a little bit uh, to your head tonight. I might need to sort of like go outside. Right, well, yes. I'm going to hop in my pestle and mortar, and uh, I'll see you next time for the fox and the geese. See you then. See you then. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on podbean at podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.